One Custom Car Care. Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Got a lot of things going on, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Sarah, fall is your favorite season? Yes. Actually, I did a little mini photo shoot with the baby. That's awesome. Did a fall photo shoot. It was great. Have you noticed? I noticed it, I think, uh, probably the last couple of days. I had a couple of leaves turning colors at our house. Yes, I've started to notice them. Now, my road is really cool because it's a portion mm-hmm. of it's tree-lined. Oh, yeah. So I can't wait to see it in the fall when all of the leaves begin to change. That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We are already starting to see some of the shift of the work that's coming in the shop. And I thought maybe we would give that a little discussion today. Um, I, I was sharing with you off air that we had actually turned our furnace on for a little time at home. Yeah. Um, and I know everybody wants to hold off on that as much as possible. But before it gets really intense, I would recommend, you know, obviously we're not an HVAC company, but you should try it at home before it's really cold. But you should also try it in your car. You know, now that I think about it, because, you know, I go to work so terribly early in the morning. Mm-hmm. I actually have turned on my heat a oh, couple yeah. different times uh, in the morning when it's been, you know, like 50-ish. Mm-hmm. And it works. Yeah. that It's better to know now, and as well as in today's day and age, I think you were running into some service issues on some other things. But, you know, years past, we've been able to almost get same-day service on some of that stuff. And it's not. I don't think that the companies want to help you, whether it's automotive repair, HVAC, or, or the healthcare industry, whatever. It's that they're backed up in the supplies, and I hate – I'm not one of those that continues to use the excuse the supply chain's broken. I think we've all have got to the point where we're sick of hearing about that. But there is still some validity to that to where, you know, maybe you do have an issue with your furnace or something going on with your car. And, you know, something comes up, you sure don't want to wait till you're in essentially dire straits. Um, as a kid, we used a lot of kerosene heaters as kind of a backup or supplemental heat. We did too. Um, have you bought any kerosene lately? Uh, I bought some last year, but I haven't Ooh. this year. It was like sticker shock when because I heat my shop. I have a kerosene heater out there, and I don't heat it all the time. But I was working out there last year, and I went to the store. A finding kerosene, mm-hmm. like there's only a couple places here in Springfield, and if you live in outlying areas. And then B, I mean, I think it was over six bucks a gallon, if I remember right. Yeah, and it was like, ooh, yeah, you better have a uh, a purpose for being out in the shop if you're burning kerosene. Um, but my point being, and not to continue to whip this supply chain like it's a dead horse, but they, even if you can get it, it's going to cost you more. Essentially, we're still seeing a tremendous amount of price inflation as well as availability issues across all um, businesses. I don't care whether it's automotive repair or not. So I strongly urge, um, you know, a few years back, I guess it has been a couple years now, you know, we started seeing some shortages and there's been people I've seen post online that, you know, they haven't been able to get engine oil, they haven't been able to get certain fluids, uh, filters. All of a sudden it was a real weird thing that, you know, oil filters for equipment, pretty much went extinct for a short period of time. Now, thankfully, as a company, A1 Custom, we've been paying attention to a lot of that. So we've been able to have enough of a a backstock that we haven't run into that. But I have for sure noticed 
that the cost to acquire that stuff has gone up. So even if you're not quote unquote seeing shortages, the cost of that stuff, because it is a little more scarce, is drastically going up. Uh, I've seen across the country and here around locally, you know, even going into some of the big box stores, you have seen some some empty spots out on the shelves. So as critical as maintenance is, and you guys all, if you've been listening to the show or been into the shop at all, and I really want to dive into the maintenance discussion here a little deeper. I had another uh, business owner kind of given some advice on that that I thought was very interesting. But maintenance is always cheaper than repairs is the moral of the story. So if you have a vehicle, especially if it's a late model vehicle, and I'm going to say anything probably 2012 or newer, maybe even back to 2010, if you do not care for those vehicles and be proactive, I can absolutely with 100% authority say that it will make you reactive because it will leave you stuck somewhere. And it will be more costly than it would have been had you just taken care of it in a you know proactive manner. So what do I mean by that? Well, on the very basic level, we do a tremendous amount of maintenance and first-time oil changes on vehicles that were purchased from the dealer. And then typically we take care of them from that point forward. Now, if you have a warranty-related uh, or recall, I can't do those. It, you know, it's not that I can't, I can, but I can't do them for free, which is the obligation to the manufacturer, the dealer that you bought it from. So with that being said, once it leaves the dealer, a lot of times people choose us to make sure and take care of it because we're, you know, that's what we are about. We are about preventing a lot of those breakdowns and issues. So with that being said, the majority of the, and I, like I said, from 2012, 2010, somewhere, depending on manufacturer, they changed some technology there. Those vehicles consume oil unbelievably. Now, I'm not just saying that they consume a little bit of oil. They are allowed, and their tolerance, depending on manufacturer, is anywhere from 900 miles to 1,500 miles that is, is acceptable by their service information that it can burn a quart of oil in that range. Now, if you think about it, most of you out there listening, your vehicle capacity of engine oil is around five quarts, give or take a little bit. Some of the later model bigger displacement engines are seven, eight, nine quarts, but most of you listening, it's five quarts or less. Now, if you do a 5,000-mile oil change interval, which is what the manufacturer says that can be done or should be done, or sometimes even farther than that, and they also say that it is acceptable to burn a quart every, let's just pick a thousand miles. If you do the math, and I'm sure that we can all do that very simply, if I go 5,000 miles and it acceptably burned a quart every thousand, now I'm darn near out of oil when you come in for an oil change. Now, here's where the reality comes in is I do a ton of those oil changes or the guys in the team do a ton of those oil changes, and it, it is a surprise when a vehicle comes in that is actually full of oil. Normally, they are two to three quarts low by the time it makes it to me. Now, when you do that, it drastically, you may not see the consequences the day I'm doing the oil change, but it drastically decreases the longevity or the amount of mileage that you can get out of that engine without having a catastrophic failure. 
as well as if and when you have a catastrophic failure, getting replacement components not only are getting more and more challenging, but with that challenge goes up, does the price. And it drives the cost of repairs up tremendously, which I don't enjoy that. It's not like I get to, you know, put more money in, in, you know, we don't have piles of gold sitting around. That all goes to obtain the repair parts to get your vehicle back on the road is the majority of it. So on, on that flip side of it, why would we not prevent that? And I know it can be prevented because I, I have had many testimonials uh, over the years, but my personal vehicles or our, our company's vehicles, I think, are one of the best examples of that. We have a six-liter, two-wheel drive, three-quarter ton Chevrolet pickup. It's got to be 370-ish miles. It has worked every day of its life since we've owned it. It has been a tremendously great truck. And we have done some repair work to it, but that truck still goes and pulls and does everything we ask of it with very little trouble out of it that that vehicle is just served its purpose purpose, and it owes us nothing at this point. But we've got almost 400,000 miles out of a gasoline engine, and I have never had the lower end of that vehicle apart in the past. So definitely something that you know the proof's in the pudding here that truck has been paid off and paid for itself so many times over you all have that same opportunity as well if you're high level do-it-yourselfer and you can do it that's awesome i'm right there with you i'm cheering you on and if you're not and you need somebody that will make you a part of the repair process or the maintenance process or preventative at this point in time that's our bread and butter right there. That's, you know, there are a lot of repair shops out there, um, and we can do repair, I'd say, with the best of them. There's a lot of shops that change a lot of parts. I'd say we're hanging right there. There's not a lot of shops that try and prevent you from having the breakdowns, and that's really what we're about. So if you don't want to know everything that's going on with your car, we're probably not the shop for you. If you're interested in finding out that, hey, this is what's going on, we can plan accordingly. You don't have to do it all right this second. But my main goal when I see any of your vehicles in the trucks, and you know we have a team of people taking care of your vehicles, is to to not have you in that position. That's really where it's at. We're going to step into a break. When we come back, I had a septic company explain maintenance and cost, and it really kind of rung a bell this weekend, and I want to talk about that after we come back from the break. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I have a, I guess, a weird analogy. Okay, I'm here for it. So, I, you know, I give my kids a lot of crap about being on TikTok. Mm-hmm. But there is some information on there. So anytime they give me a spec or they spit something out, I'm like, oh, did you learn that on TikTok? You know, I'm giving them a hard time about it. They're teenagers, so whatever. They're they're good kids. I'm I'm pretty very fortunate. But long story short, there is a septic company out in I think like he's out east somewhere, and he does a lot of videos about business, which is really what got me interested in it. And he was talking about maintenance in his industry, and he had a customer apparently who had you know said, oh you know septic maintenance is a scam. And you're just in it for the money and yada, yada, yada. Well, we had recently had our septic pumped at our at our home. It was about three, 350 bucks, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's a little value there. 
However, he broke down his profit and, and uh, you know, his cost versus his profit of septic maintenance versus septic system replacement, which is essentially what happens after you neglect your septic system for a long time and your leach fields blow up. I'm not a septic expert, but I'm YouTube or TikTok certified septic expert at this point in time. Long story short, when I got septic problems, I call the professionals. He is a professional, so I was kind of learning from him. And he, he broke down how much more true revenue was in replacing a septic system versus maintaining one. And he's like, why would you not just just maintain it? Get it pumped every once in a while. Make sure your leach fields are working. If there's any pumps in there, make sure they're working. And they'll last for years and years and years and years and years and years. Long, long time, right? Or... I can gladly show up and put you a whole new system in and it cost you 15 grand. I made a lot more profit doing that than I did taking care of your maintenance. And it just rung a bell with me on the automotive field. I realize that's a very weird uh, comparison, I guess. But that's kind of where I'm at too. And what I guess we're talking about today is, you know, take care of your stuff and it'll take care of you. You know, I'm sure you want to drive your vehicle for a long time after you paid off. So... You Absolutely. think I'm crazy? No, because now I'm like, I need to go get my oil changed. <laughs> <laughs> At least make sure it's full. Yes, it's on my to-do list. That, that's really the thing. You know, we have so many of them show up that, you know, are multi-quarts low on a small system. Five quarts is not all that much oil. So if you're a two quarts low, I mean, you're a third out or a little bit more than a third. Um I can and do the, damage over time. It really does. And not only is it a, you know, lubricity, obviously, you know, it's it's the insulator for the engine for wear, but it's also a cooler. You know, that liquid has a heat exchange property of it that it is pulling heat out of that engine. And I guarantee all you out there listening, I'm going to say better than 90% of you, most of it is aluminum. Your engine block is aluminum. Your cylinder head is aluminum. And I like aluminum. But it will not deal with neglect and overheat. It just won't do it. You can have a brand new engine right out of the box. You overheat that or you starve it for some kind of lubricity and and the thermal properties that the oil does. Congratulations, you're probably going to spend on the low end six grand on on high end 20 or 30 grand if you got a diesel powered anything. You know, I don't want you to have to spend that money. That's the bottom line. So even if you're not changing your oil on a you know fairly regular basis, at least be checking your oil on a fairly regular basis and keeping it topped off. You know, it, it is always better, even if I've got old nasty oil in something, that it has the oil in there than if it doesn't. And your engines out there are burning it like it's free, like it's going out of style. And I don't want you in that same boat. I love doing repowers, not because of the revenue thing. I really love, you know, I think I've talked about this a lot. When I get a vehicle that's got two, 300,000, and we get somebody that wants to do a repower, and whether that's a, you know, new drive system in there from transmission, differential, transfer case, or engine most often. Um, and I've had customers over the years that have had 300000 had an issue. They wanted to do engine transmission and transfer case all in one unit. That way, they're, that is a true repower at that point in time. And you don't normally have to do that. Normally, the transmission or transfer case or a differential still has life left in it. I'm not saying we want to throw the kitchen sink at it. But I truly love doing a repower and getting a vehicle to where it runs as good, if not better, 
at two, three, four hundred thousand miles as it did when it had twenty miles on it. And yeah, you talk about doing a repower anywhere probably on the low end from six grand, and like I said, on the upper end, I've spent twenty or thirty grand on diesel powered equipment. That it uh, it really breathes life back into that vehicle. And when you look at vehicles from I'm going to say the late '90s on up. They're really well built and put together for the most part. Now, there are some disposable vehicles out there. I'm not a super big fan of those. You know, they get to 150000 They are so clapped out that it's not even funny, and there's just nothing left to repower. But you look at something that is a good, solid car, good, solid SUV, a pickups. I mean, I, I end up doing a lot of pickups because typically the pickup um, is used for a purpose, and typically that purpose whether it's recreational or commercial, you know, you work with that vehicle or even a van, you know, we've done a lot of repowers on vans that you get a wrap for a business on one. Yeah, you you spent several thousand bucks. You don't want to just discard that because you get a, a mechanical issue. You want to keep it going. So when he did the the septic and the maintenance versus repair, it truly is in the best interest to not take care of squat and let it just you know, turn into a big heap and pile of, you know, unpleasantness. But I just don't have it in me. I love repairing and keeping vehicles, you know, like I said, as good, if not better than when they rolled off the showroom floor and being able to diagnose it and come up with those solutions, you know, that sometimes even the dealer, you know, they were designed and they have to color inside these lines. I have the ability to do some things that the dealer doesn't have the ability to do because I am not sanctioned by Chevy or Ford or Dodge. You know, if there's a solution out there that will create or or give you a better outcome, man, I'm open for it. As long as it's not illegal, I'm not taking any catalytic converters off or anything like that. Um, you know, we're going to color within the federal lines for sure. But if there's an aftermarket company that came out with a problem-solving solution for a known problem – shoot, I'm doing it. I'm not just going to bolt on another part that I know is going to fail in a certain amount of time. I realize that's uh, a little funny out there. What do you think, Sarah? You think I'm crazy? No, but I would like to switch the topic, if I may. Let's do it. So I have a question mm -hmm. about overheating. Okay. And as we move into the winter months. Oh, yeah. Yes. So first off, do can vehicles overheat in winter? Oh, yeah. Okay. So what is it different than when it overheats in the summer? Well, it's not necessarily different. It probably will take a little bit more extreme situation to okay. get it to overheat. You know, we've had air-cooled engines for years. Typically, um, most of our vehicles are not designed to be air-cooled. So best I can remember just off the top of my head, the original Volkswagen Beetle, that was an air-cooled motor. So there's no coolant. So one of the biggest gags is, is you get somebody that really doesn't know, you have them call the parts store for a you know, radiator cap for a Volkswagen Rabbit. Well, it doesn't exist. And so that's kind of just like a, a little hazing, I guess, if you will. But everybody out there listening, for the most part, you all have antifreeze in the engine. And that is the main coolant source. And you have a water pump that circulates it, a thermostat that regulates temperature, and then you have a radiator and cooling fan system that help dump heat. So I'm giving you a little bit of a, a Bill Nye the Science Guy answer, but bear with me. I promise it'll make sense. So in the winter, it will take more for it to overheat, but it still can very much overheat. Now, what happens a lot is the 
the sensor that measures the overheat is relying on coolant to be running over the sensor to give you an accurate temperature so you know that it's overheating. What will happen is if it gets low, most of the time those sensors are towards the top of the engine. And if you get low on coolant and there's no no uh, fluid touching that sensor, it won't read an overheat. And so you're driving along and you don't have you know any indication that it is overheating. But it's because you don't have any coolant in the engine anymore to trigger that overheat system. So a lot of times what happens there is it has to get really, really bad. And then all of a sudden the needle jumps up real fast. Well, the damage is done by then. So <clears throat> it really needs to have that, uh, you know, your fluids checked every, you know, I'm going to do it probably at least monthly, if not every couple weeks. That's kind of my rule of thumb. Pop the hood. It's usually a clear, translucent, you know, overflow tank. Make sure it's in between the min-max line. You're ready to rock. Um, if you notice a smell of antifreeze, that's usually a very key indicator that you're losing it somewhere. And then if you're having to add or top off on a regular basis, those are all key indicators. Now, you can have something where the thermostat sticks or the water pump fails, uh, the cooling fan under the hood. Um, if I'm really... Uh, paying attention, the cooling fan under the hood, you can hear it kick on. Do you ever hear yours kick on and off? Uh, kind of have like a roar. It should kick on when you turn the air conditioner on. And if you're sitting idle very long, you'll hear it kick on. Mm -hmm. If I have a car that only overheats in traffic or when it's sitting, but it doesn't overheat running down the road, I'm going to go after that cooling fan. That's kind of very indicative because, you know, as you run down the road, just naturally air comes across the radiator and cools it, and you really don't need the cooling fan, if any at all, during that. But you will notice that if you get in heavy traffic, you get in stop-and-go driving, or you pull up and you're sitting idle somewhere, you know, drive-through, bank, picking up food, whatever, those are all key indicators that, hey, I got an overheat going on. As well as, you definitely want to make sure that you have good flow through the heater core. That's the other thing we see a lot right now. It's something stopped it up over the summer. You didn't notice it because you weren't using it. And then you go to kick and defrost the window when it's 30 degrees outside. And then, you know, you find out, surprise, you don't have any heat or defrost. So, uh, did that answer your question? It did, yeah. Well, a listener had texted in about mm -hmm. overheating in vehicles in the fall and winter time and i did not save it and it got flooded oh. with other text sure. messages so uh hopefully that answered their question so one of the biggest things i guess i can point out and i've had people do this and suffer the consequences they'll call and say hey my vehicle's overheating you cannot push those vehicles you know back mm -hmm. in the day when i was a kid you know and you had like say 90s model engines most of those were still cast iron so I'm sure you've seen the old uh, commercials where people pull in and the radiator boils over and it steams, you know. Back in the day, I mean, when I was a kid, I had a ton of old 302 Fords and 305 and 350 Chevys. I mean, I had bunches of them. You just poured some water out of the creek in there and you kept on a going. I mean, it really was like that. You do that now and that engine is damaged permanently and, and a big costly expense. So please don't push it if it is overheating. Sarah and I are going to step into a break. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. 
welcome back. We got Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. You got some some announcements to make. I do. So I want to first mention a KSGF event that I would like to invite Excellent. all of you out to. It is called the KSGF Heroic Hot Tub Giveaway. Oh, mm-hmm. I like it. It's got a ring to it. Yeah, it does. So basically, in a nutshell, what we're doing is we are partnering with Whole Hot Tub Services and... The whole goal is to raise food donations for local veterans who are battling food insecurity. Excellent. So the whole point of this, it's going to be a blast. Mm -hmm. We are going to be giving away a hot tub thanks to Hulk Hot Tub Services. Excellent. All of this will take place at Big Shots Golf on Saturday. Oh, Big Shots Golf. Yes. It'll take place on Saturday, October 22nd from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Okay. There's going to be food and drinks and games. And somebody's going to walk away with a hot tub. So I'm assuming shelf-stable food is what we're after. Yes, we're looking for non-perishable items. Okay. And what we plan on doing is uh, we plan on raising about 4.1 tons. Yes. And we are wanting to help Serenity Honors. Now, Serenity Honors, if you've never heard of her, she is a local nine-year-old girl who loves to help veterans. She is absolutely amazing. She actually just recently got back from an honor flight where she was honored and she laid a wreath at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. That's that's just amazing. She is an absolutely fantastic little girl. So we she has her own food drive that's happening. So we want to help her out and uh, get the most bang for our buck as possible. So once again, that is October twenty second, nine a.m. to Mm -hmm. eleven a.m. Big shots golf. So I hope to see you all out there. If you see me, come say hi. You should come out too. Definitely bring the family. Yep, we need to make that happen. That sounds perfect. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. All the details are up at ksgf.com. In case you're driving and uh, you Mm -hmm. forget that date or time yeah but ksgf.com awesome okay story time i want to see what you think about this costco may be forced to sell gas to everyone not just members in new jersey a pair of lawmakers in new jersey are wanting costco to sell gas to everyone it is state senators richard cody and vin gopal i think i pronounced that right Mm -hmm. they're both democrats they introduced nearly identical bills that would require retail membership clubs in new jersey to permit anyone to purchase gasoline at their pumps, not just paid members. Hmm. Now, back in July, Costco ended an 18-year deal that allowed everyone in New Jersey to buy gas at their relatively low prices since 2004. Mm -hmm. But in June, the company announced that it was ending that expectation and treating New Jersey customers the same as those everywhere else. So one of the senators said, I do believe gas is a public commodity, just like food and energy. I don't believe there should be membership costs to get things generally in the public good. Now, Costco has generally sold gas at cheaper prices. Well, you know, we have a Costco here. Mm-hmm. When gas skyrocketed in recent months, many people in New Jersey took advantage of those savings. So basically, that's where all of this is coming from. So I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on this. Well, my first one initially, and I'm sure there's a lot out there, I would assume, thinking the same thing. It's what business is it of the government of who I sell my gas to? If I'm Costco Mm -hmm. and I just really don't understand this, like, got to regulate every little thing. I mean, there's no need, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, like, stay in your own lane, bro. You know, there's you have a job to do. We all have this capacity of what it is we can handle or what we can do. And when you start branching out into areas that are really in, not in your wheelhouse, 
that means you're taking away from things you should be doing. You know, I'm sure that, uh, was it senators, I guess it was? Was it a couple of senators or? Yes. You know, those senators, I'm sure, have a, a stack of things that are important that they need to be dealing with. But instead of doing their actual job, they're getting into Costco's business of who gets what gas. And I guarantee there's not, you know, like millions of dollars being made on that gas being sold there. I'm sure that's a courtesy or a leader to get people to come to Costco. I mean, it's a it's a simple business practice, in my opinion. But the fact that uh, either, one, you don't have enough workload as a senator and you're trying to find things to create a need for you to be in, or two, you're being paid by somebody else to get into this. I would assume if you followed the money, you would find the uh, the reasoning behind them getting into Costco's business. But I'm not a big government kind of fan. You know, if we have, um, you know, a free and fair market, if you're not good at what you do, you go out of business, right? I mean, is that too much to say? And if you're great at what you do, you're successful in business, right? It seems very simplistic to me, but I don't need somebody standing over my shoulder saying, do this or don't do this. If you want Costco's gas, go get a membership to Costco. That seems pretty simple to me. It's a leader. I'm sure Sam's Club is the same way to get you in their parking lot so you can buy their goods. You know, that's a a value adder essentially for being a member to Costco in this instance. Am I being too... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> too obtuse, I guess. No, I felt pretty much the same exact I was way like, too. Really? Yeah, because I mean, I have a Sam's Club membership, yeah. and that's one of the the things that I take advantage of. Mm-hmm. In fact, I make sure that I get gas on a certain day because I'm close to Sam's yeah. Club that day, and I use my membership. Absolutely, I know we we have the same thing. Stacy's big into making sure she gets the best value out of that. We go there because we get a good value out of buying in bulk. That's the same thing. You're there. You're buying in bulk. They're making their revenue. They have to make a profit in order for us to enjoy their services. You know, I'm not. I don't hate on businesses for making a profit, but if they're going to give me some ad and uh, some some value to buying that membership, well, sure, I'm going to take advantage of it. But if you make something open to everybody or it's it's available, it really is. You know, the scarcity is something that makes it valuable. So. If you want gas, I'm sure there's a hundred other gas stations within a two-mile radius of that Costco in New Jersey that you can go get your gas from, or you can buy your membership and go. I don't know. It just it seems like the senator's time could and should be used more wisely than getting into whether Costco sells gas to everybody or not. I think so. Uh-huh. Well, and I don't have articles on these, but I figured that we could just talk uh, current events. Of yeah. course, uh, Hurricane Ian hit. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was very tragic for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Lost a lot of their, their homes, their vehicles. Of course, there's plenty of people that don't have power, yeah. all things like that. So this is something in the automotive industry that mm-hmm. we're going to see pop up flood vehicles. Oh, yes. It'll be a tremendous amount. And it always is after we have a natural disaster like this. There was a lot of talk about, you know, this big, not to to deviate too far, but I think it's relevant, this big push for EV vehicles. So say you do have a all-electric something or other that has a 300-mile range. How do you evacuate from southern Florida if there's no power? That's a good question. I was like, hmm, that really rung a bell for me. Let alone, you know, if you have a gas or diesel vehicle, you know, uh, you know, the first rule about prepping is you don't talk about prepping. 
The second rule is you don't talk about prepping, and I'm going to break that rule right now. You better have some backup and some stockpile at least to get you out of harm's way. And I know a lot of Floridians have that, but I guarantee there were some that didn't. So, you know, keeping your fuel in a good, stable environment and having a little backup and not waiting till the last minute or not driving your vehicle on E all the time is very, very important. Um, you know, I, I definitely live in a world that one is none and two is one and three is where I want to be. That's I want to have that backup, whether it's fuel, whether it's tires, whether it's whatever. I want to have some cushion or extra vehicles. You know, I do not want to be pigeonholed into something that uh, I need to really get out of Dodge and not be able to. So I know we need to wrap things up. Is this our third segment or fourth? Mm -hmm. It is our third. Very good. All right. I got something I want to really talk about when we come back here. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that right after the break. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. Got just a little bit of time left. You've got Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Our own KSGF Tom Martz yes. sent us in uh, something in reference to the last show, and I'm probably going to butcher it. Um, I believe it's called Centromatics or Centromatics. You can Google it. I am familiar with this product. In reference to our last week's show, we had a listener that wanted to know about balance beads. And I thought it was a great question. It was a question, again, I had a few years ago or maybe maybe a year ago. And I started experimenting with it on my bigger uh, off-road and heavy truck tires and had good success with it. But the Centromatics is something I am familiar with. I've never used it. But in my, tri- my uh, search for information, these came up. And essentially, these are a... Uh, I'm not sure what they're filled with, whether it's a sand or media-based. I probably should read a little bit more before I talk about it. But it is a balancing weight system that bolts onto the hub, and it came out of the 18-wheeler world that you take the wheel off, you bolt it, you clean the hub, you bolt it in there, or you place it in there, and then sandwich it with the wheel. I run into a lot of guys doing this on their F2 and 350 pickups. I see there's different makes and models or different ones. Here's one for Dodge. Here's one that says single rear wheel for Chevy. Here's one that says dual rear wheel for Dodge. Uh, One for Sprinter, one for Jeep. I mean, they have a whole bunch of them out here. I saw uh, Dually, GM, Dodge, and Ford. They're all the same. Super Duty, certain era, uh, years that it goes through. But I've had really good feedback. I've never run these personally. Uh, Tom, I think, referenced it when he was uh, driving big trucks, that it was a good solution for him, which I'm really glad he brought up. I'd actually forgot this was even an option out there. But the feedback in my world where it's you know uh, light duty and medium duty I have had good feedback from guys running them at least on the F-250s, 350, and 450 platforms. I know they had been to different places to have their wheels balanced, tried the balance speeds, tried all kinds of stuff, and then apparently they landed in the same place Tom did with the Centromatics, and that pretty much solved their vibration problem. So I may have to look at it. It's not all that expensive. It looks like maybe a couple hundred bucks a, a, a balance 
uh, piece of equipment, please Google it. If somebody out there has some feedback and wants to message us in and let us know, this may help some other listeners out there. Uh, very simple to install. Again, you remove the wheel, you clean the hub face, you clean the wheel face, you put it on there, and then you properly install and retorque the wheel. So, Tom, always you have a tremendous wealth of knowledge, and I always love running into you at the shop. So thank you very much for messaging and letting everybody know that. Hopefully that helps out there. While we're talking about tires, and this is a point that I heard over the week, um, I am getting emails from our tire manufacturers that we deal with almost weekly, sometimes multiple times a week, that a tremendous amount of price increases, this is no surprise to anybody out there, are coming through, like I said, if not daily, weekly for sure. What does that mean to you? I'll tell you exactly what it meant to me. So um, my oldest daughter, Josie, I think we talked about it on the show. We went out and got her a little fixer-upper four-wheel drive Dodge Dakota. And I had some title issue. The gentleman that it was part of an estate, he had passed away. It was his truck. And so it took me several months to get the title. Well, I didn't want to start doing repairs and ordering parts and fixing things until I had the title just in case something didn't come through. Thankfully, uh, the auction company that liquidated the estate was wonderful. State of Kansas was great. Finally got the state of Missouri what they were looking for, and I got a title a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago at this point. Time gets away from me when you're busy. Long story short, to validate the point that, hey, tire prices are going up, I needed to get her a new set of tires. They are 31 10 50 15 so a pretty basic tire back in the day that was a run-of-the-mill tire that was what everybody that had a truck was running well anymore everybody's got bigger tires but so initially when i looked for her a reasonable good quality kind of economy style tire i didn't want to go and spend 200 bucks a tire i found a decent set of all-terrain tires for around a hundred dollars a tire well, I didn't have the title, so I didn't order them yet. I thought, oh, I'll wait. Surely, it, you know, it'll be that same. When I finally pushed order, they were $146 each. They had gone up 46% or 46 bucks in that time frame. You didn't take your own advice. I did not take oh, my own advice. Oh, Dustin. Well, and that's part of the show. You know, I don't want everybody to just think everything, you know, I got the tire by the tail here. I'm giving you my experience right here that, hey, that cost me. Essentially, I got two tires for what I I could have bought four for. I did buy her a full set, but essentially that extra money, that extra roughly 200 bucks was just out in, in the good old Never Never Land. So my point being is that they are going up. So if you're in the ballpark of needing tires, you probably should get them. I did look at the rest of the vehicles that we have in our personal fleet and I'm at least a year or two from needing to replace the tires. But that was a sure lesson for me to be learned. When I ordered those, I ordered some additional trailer tires that I don't need right now. But I figured to hedge my bet a little bit that I, I'm going to use the trailer tires. I got a boatload of trailers. I love trailers. That's like my <laughs> my guilty passion is trailers. Um, but I went ahead and ordered some tires because I knew they were going to be going up in price. Here's where it really kind of doubled down on me this weekend. So I'm trying to pay attention to the global markets and, and that kind of stuff. And apparently a big portion, and they called it like black carbon, and it's probably not the uh, official scientific name, but 40% of a tire is made from this black carbon process. I need to look into it more. But essentially the basis, or at least a big part of the manufacturing process for the tire 
uh, uses compressed natural gas. Well, we know what the compressed natural gas situation globally is right now. It's pretty crappy. Uh, you know, there's all this investigation about the pipelines that mysteriously had some accidents happen to them or not accidents and intentional. But point being, uh, most tires are made overseas, which is why I'm paying attention to, you know, not here in the States. And that compressed natural gas is coming from overseas, being manufactured and then being shipped in for the tire products that you and I all buy. Well, I don't think we've seen anything as far as what tire prices, and I don't want to be the fear monger. I'm not scared. I want to be prepared that if you're in the market, whether we sell your tires, somebody else sells your tires, I bet the prices that we're seeing right now are cheap compared to what they are going to be. So keeping them balanced, keeping them rotated protects your investment tremendously. That will extend the life of tires many thousands of miles just doing those two things. Secondly, if you're in even the market, I'm taking my own medicine here because I just shared with you, I paid the piper. You need to order the tires. Whether you get them from me, you get them from anybody else, I don't care who you get them from as well as making sure you get a good quality tire. I've bought the cheap economy tires, and initially they're like, oh, yeah, you know, that I got a good deal. But when they don't last a year and they're worn smooth out or they're vibrating or broken belts or whatever, did you really get any value? The older I get, I understand the value of things. Um, so if you come into one of our stores, a lot of the discussion is going to be, what are your expectations and what do you want out of these tires? Well, in my world, personally, not to make this about me, but there are certain things that are very important. I typically need to get around in inclement weather, you know, whether I'm pushing snow, pulling a trailer, whatever. i got to have a good all-season tire. I have a little bit off-road out in the field. I really don't do a ton, but I need to have some capability there. And I need these tires to last me probably sixty to 80,000 miles. So, yes, I'm going to pay the piper up front more than I would buying a cheap tire. But long term, I get a lot of years of service, and that's truly what it's about. Yeah. Well, we are officially out of show. Time flies. I know. Well, if you're out there in Radio Land and you have a question or a comment, you can reach out to us on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on our social media. Across the board, that is at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe. Bye.